Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Girlish. My name is Gage and I'm here with my co-host Olivia. Hi everyone, we're back. Happy March. It's already, <laughs> we're, I don't know how to do math. I was going to say like we're a quarter, it's a quarter, right? Yeah, quarter? it's we're a quarter we're... of the way through mm-hmm. the year. And um, yeah, there's been a <laughs> lot of stuff that's been happening, mostly for you. I feel like we'll talk about today, but it has been a while since we back came back on here. Yeah, it was supposed to be a week and I didn't even think we were going to take a week off because a lot of you guys know I moved across the country and uh, in the move, I specifically brought my microphone to record, but like the weekend when we would have been recording, I didn't even think about it. I was literally driving in the car all day. So I was like sitting there and I was like, oh, we should probably record this weekend. And then I'm in the middle of driving and I'm like, I can't do that. So it ended up being like pushed back a week. And then and then it's just like the settling. It like doesn't end because there's just so much that goes on with the move. And like we had a bunch of drama with the movers. We had a bunch of like different things that came up that like made it impossible to like do anything other than focus on the move and then homework and then work. So it's been like a very stressful time. So it's been like a month. (laughs) We're back and we are ready to just get back into it. I'm kind of sad that we're recording again on opposite coasts of each other. Like I I get it. Like you, I think it was the right decision to go back to Florida, but we just have to like battle again with the time difference because I got so used to thinking oh it's it's only 10 o'clock in the morning like we can figure out something to do within the next couple hours but it's like one for you already so yeah I just have to like get used to trying to schedule it again with how different our schedules are yeah is it a better decision than I just made because I'm having second Um, thoughts you know (laughs) we can talk about it I think in hindsight maybe it is, um, but there's just like a lot of extra stuff going on that is affecting, you know, how you feel yeah, about it. I, yeah, <laughs> it's hard being back and like not being filled with a bunch of emotions, happy, sad, um, and it's starting to hit me all at once. But the time zone is definitely a big thing. I will say, you know, during the weekends, um, I try to be as flexible as possible, especially for girlish. We always try like. We always try and have like a an open dialogue on on the times that we can record and stuff. So I don't think I mean three hours is a big difference, but I think we'll be okay. We made it work before; we can make it we work did. again. So, yeah. and I'm always flexible. Like Sundays at one, I think it's fine. Um, or even if we want to do any other, I can I can definitely be flexible. But yeah, this yeah. decision was huge to make, and we left we left. Washington in like I felt like such a hurry we had been planning the move for like the past six months but like we didn't actually start packing until like the week before we moved so by the time we caught our breath we were already in Florida like it happened just so quick where we weren't able to like mourn the like the the place that we'd called home for a year and I didn't feel anything because I was in such like a mode of like we have to like move we have to get there and um yeah it was just like a weird thing where i didn't get to like fully um just like be sad about like not being in 
in Washington anymore because it was such a, it was, it was our home. And so that was a, a big thing that, that I'm starting to feel now as I'm being settled. But I do want to talk about the whole moving process because I know you, like the, what's the further, the furthest you moved was from Washington to Los Angeles. How was that process for you whenever you did that? Yeah, it was hard. I feel like not as hard because our drive was only like 18 hours total and we made like two stops. So it wasn't anything crazy. Um, it was only a couple days of actually driving. So I think, you know, it was a lot at the time when I first like moved, we got to Russell's house. I literally started crying and I called my mom. I was like so sad because it's hard to process that you're literally moving to another state as you're doing it because you're so focused on okay like we have to get in the car we have to drive here we have to get to this like hotel for the pit stop for the day end so you're just like focused on what you're actually doing in the moment and then when you actually get there that's when you're like oh i live in a completely different state my family is in a completely different state i don't know anything i don't know what's going on here so it's definitely a lot once you actually arrive at your destination to go through it. And I did go through that as well when I moved to California. There's also, yeah, and there's like the routine of it where you have this routine that you've built up for however long that you've you've been in a place. And when you move and like all of a sudden that routine has to be different or you have to find your new routine, your new like every day, that is so like scary. It's like unsettling because you, you just migrated to a new area. And like now you just have to learn that area. You have to know the places you like, the the things you want to do, how you want to live your everyday and how it's going to look. So yeah, it's like super stressful. Even like just 18 hours, that's a stupid long time driving. And like, and you and me both know those long drives, it is crazy that you can just like zone out and then be at your destination like that's when a you're scary driving, thing right because like you'll fully be driving for four hours and then you'll just think like i don't remember anything that i drove by in this last five hours that i've been in this car like your brain just shuts off and you're just on autopilot on the road and it's a Literally. little scary and i you know obviously i think we're we've been driving long enough where you're like consciously aware of your surroundings and, and being able to safely drive, but there's something your brain does to just make like help you get by where you're just literally off. And that definitely was the experience for a lot of the drive that we, we had because my partner and I, we drove from Washington all the way to Florida. So it was like a coast to coast. I think in total that was 40 some hours. Let me see. Uh, Washington, what is it? I left Olympia, Washington to Gainesville, Florida. Let's see. That is a 44-hour drive. <laughs> so. Oh, my God. But you guys, made, you guys did stop. But still, yeah. like, that's 44 hours behind the wheel. That's a lot. Of time. Yeah, it was. I'm shocked we <laughs> There were some scary moments that I was very shocked that we, you know, we survived. Um, and yeah, so the whole like moving process was, like I said, it was really quick. We had movers come in and they just came in and took all of our stuff. 
And that's a lot of drama that, you know, I don't want to get into because it's just so annoying. But essentially, we were given a price. And by the end of the whole movers experience, that price doubled. So it was like insane how much money they like just took from us just by doing like little things. Like they added $85 per eight flight, like per eight stairs, which counts as a flight. So they charged us 85 times two because our staircase coming into our apartment is like, it's like, I think like 16 stairs or something, but like per eight stairs, they charged $85 and it's just, those types of fees that they tack on and then those fees, they'll, it's so slimy because they did that whenever they picked up our stuff, they charge us the flight fee, like a flight of stairs fee, and it stays on the account so that the people dropping it off are also charging me for that flight of stairs. But then they're telling me they have to charge me for another flight of stairs. And like, it's just weird little like things that add up. And then eventually like it ended up being double what we were anticipating it being. So the whole moving aspect with movers, and they also broke our TV and a bunch of other things, and they didn't want to pay for it. Um, They didn't pay for it. And uh, it's been super kind of awful dealing with that. But aside from all of that, the moving in itself was the probably the, it was a very fun experience moving across the country. I recommend a road trip across the country if you've never done it. And I highly recommend going a path where you'll be around nature because then that makes the drive worth it, makes it not so boring. So the the drive, the first like four days of the trip were like honestly the best because we went from Washington, we went down to Oregon, into Utah, or into Idaho, into Utah, into Wyoming, into um, Colorado. So we had like this like beautiful little trip um, and the views were unreal. I thought like Washington was beautiful, but seeing like Idaho, Utah, going into Colorado, I like, I have videos where I was just like too stunned to speak. Like I loved it so much. And then uh, every night we would drive eight hours and then stop every night in like a big city. So we stopped in Idaho, we stopped in Boise. Salt Lake City, Denver, Kansas City, um, Nashville, and then in Gainesville. So that was like our our trip. So in total, it was seven days long. And uh, after Colorado, the worst drive in my entire life. I don't know. Have you ever been through Kansas? No, I've never been through. You don't want to go through Kansas. I feel like, like when you think of those states, like. They're not like, oh my God, I want to go there because it's just like nothing is pulling you there really. And then if you think of like the political climate in the areas, it's like, okay, maybe I'll just like stay away. But they are beautiful. Like I've seen pictures of like Colorado and like Utah and Idaho and they're all so pretty. So that must have been nice being able to see all of that while driving. It definitely makes it better than like just driving through a dirt road with like (laughs) cornfields. The entire time. So that's essentially what Kansas was. And like the last bit of the drive, it was, and like Kansas was like the worst state to get through. It was so big for no, for nothing, for literally nothing. Um, So that was like the worst part was kind of getting through that. And 
Um, but those last two days of driving, we like really pushed and we were able to do it all while having fig. Have you ever had your cats in a car before? For like 10 minutes. <laughs> How do they <laughs> act? Like, are they screaming? Like, what is the, the vibe they scream, of them? Like getting in them into the carrier is the difficult part. But once they get in, they don't really move. I think just because they're scared, they scream a lot, but they're not like thrashing around in the carrier. So putting them yeah. in is definitely the hardest part. Yeah, I can imagine like, I, I, like or I can't imagine having two cats to move across the country with. And I'm so happy that Emily and I only have Fig because the whole process was like, I was so shocked with how good she was. Never in my life, she cried maybe like a few times in the middle of the long drive, but it was just because she was getting antsy and she needed to get up. So she would get up and she would kind of like walk around the car, look around, listen, smell her litter box, and then just end up going back and sitting in, in the carrier. But she was so good. Every night she was so excited about the hotel room. She would just like run around, like smell everything. She was like kneading at all the furniture. And I was like, go for it. Like, I'm paying $60 a night to be here. They're not worried. Like, literally, there's like, on my, on one of our, our like, bed, uh, what is it called? The sheets of our bed. There was literally like a cigarette burn through it. And I'm like, these people, we're paying $60 and we're getting that quality. <laughs> so They're not going to notice a, l- a few little puncture marks from her claws in the in the couch no. cushion. Like it's fine. And it, it releases endorphins. She's comfortable. I'm like, dude, yeah. you know, be happy. I want her happy. So she she had a good time. She was an- anxious a lot of it, definitely. I think for anyone, this like move, like especially animals, they don't really, they can't understand or comprehend what's happening. She's in a new environment every night. She doesn't know what's home, what's not. And so it was definitely, there were some times where I felt really bad or sad. But she, she was she held her pee and poop in the entire drive. And at night she let it all out. And then we wake up, we do it again. And she was just like so good. And I love her so much. And I'm so proud of my baby. That's a big um, thing. Like cats are they don't like being in unfamiliar territory. So the fact that you were in unfamiliar territory nonstop for a week and like changing hotels and being in the car and being in the carrier. She is honestly a queen for reacting the way that she did. Yeah, I'm genuinely like, I'm just, I was so shocked. We, uh, Emily and I were really expecting the worst because um, I don't know if you've like ever flown. Have you ever flown with your kitties? No, and I hope that day never comes. <laughs> we, flew, we flew with Faye on the way to Washington and I felt so bad because it was so just, it was really sad because she was doing really great in the plane. But it wasn't until like the last like maybe hour or two, she just started puking and she like peed in her carrier. And it was like I had to carry her by the end of the flight. And she was like, I thought she was going to die because she was so limp in my arms. And on the car ride back to like our to our apartment, she like just collapsed in my legs. She was so tired of the whole traveling. And so that's why we wanted we ended up driving because we were worried about her. And I think driving was a good call, even though it was long for us and it kind of sucked at certain times, like overall, she was okay. And that was really good. So you guys are true parents. Like you (laughs) drove across the country just for your child. Yeah. And that's love. love. (laughs) You could have just flew, but you said no. (laughs) 
my baby. It could, right. It could have been over and done with in six hours and like that was it. But we stretched it to be 44 hours and some. But it's okay. I do recommend if you're doing this to not work while you're doing this like I decided to do because... Um, or go to school while you're um, <laughs> doing it too. Maybe not. I've had the worst like few months of my life, I think, just with this whole move. And I'm surprised I don't have any gray hair. I've been looking every day or like looking for wrinkles too. Cause I'm like, if anything has stressed me out more, it's this like past like three months of just like prepping for this move. A lot has been going on and then just trying to exist now in Florida. Um, but yeah, so it's been, it's been a journey. Uh, I was um, working while moving. I was working in the car one day after we were leaving Colorado and it started snowing. And driving in the snow is not safe at all, especially when it was snowing the way that it was. And we were on the highway after maybe like an hour after we left Colorado on the highway. And this big truck in front of us with like a trailer attached to it had slid in the middle of the road. They like hydroplaned and were covering the entire road with its trailer and the truck. So the entire highway was covered and it, there wasn't many people on it. And you can't see the, with all the snow falling, you can't see what's like five feet in front of you. So by the time, or not five feet, let's say 20 feet in front of you, maybe more. But by the time that we noticed that there was a truck in front of us, I was literally working and was doing something for work. And Emily was like, oh my God, oh my God. And I looked up and there was just that truck like across the across the highway and we were worried about pushing the brakes or she was because she didn't want to just hydroplane into them because we were going to hit them it was so close and then she ended up like turning and going into the the median the gra- the grass median that went down and it was like we all like just kept hopping like we like flew into it to avoid it and um, our car was okay we were able to get around it okay we like stopped on the highway, like on the corner, on the shoulder of the highway, just for like five minutes to check the car and to like breathe. And then it was like crazy because we like were unfazed by that. Like we just ended up keep going because we had to. So that was like the scariest moment, but we survived it. And yeah. <laughs> that's so scary. Emily did some quick thinking there. She was like, oh, let me go into the media. Like that's I mean, that's what you're supposed to do to avoid an accident if you can. So mm-hmm. I mean, it was snowing. And then like, I feel like anyone's first instinct is just to step on the brakes. But it sounds like if you guys had done that, you would have hit the truck. So yeah, I, it's hard not to like go into these like anxious thoughts of like, what if I was dri-? like, you kind of get worked up on like, what would have happened if I was driving, if it were a different circumstance and all this stuff. And I think we were mainly worried of afterwards of like what could have happened. So it was kind of just stuck in our head of like that scariness, because I know if I was driving, I would have just braked right into it because I'm like too anxious to even like move. I feel like I'm very fight or flight. And if something is in front of me and it's just like, it's unavoidable, I will just like freeze and I don't know how to respond to that. But yeah, she's definitely has some like good, like, um, what is it? Common sense driving. Like she's very, I was like, you literally, I kept telling her, I was like, (laughs) we were so like 
emotion. I was like, you literally saved us. You saved us. And I was just like screaming. It was, it was the whole thing. <laughs> but That would have just added so much more stress if you guys actually did hit the truck. Like you're literally in the middle of a move and you get in an accident and like if the car wasn't drivable. So definitely like luck was on your side that day or Emily just she pulled it together she said no we're not getting in a car accident today and the funny thing is like this was so scary and we just kept going because we couldn't stop we were like we have a hotel to be in tonight we have fig in the car we just we can't just stop so um i feel like that speaks to how draining driving for a long period of time is like oh we just almost got in a car accident but we didn't so we're just gonna keep driving like it's okay yeah we'll just get over it (laughs) and so bad it was so stressful and poor figgy everything flew forward the truck was packed it was like packed our little subaru was just filled to the brim so it was stressful but end of story we're here it took seven days we're here and we're in this beautiful new apartment who you got to see which was really i am so obsessed with your apartment like i can't stop thinking about it sometimes when i'm just relaxing i think oh olivia's apartment is so pretty like you have a nice little loft your kitchen is so cute you have huge closets like you're living the dream i'm i'm in love with this well in the the apartment is i mean i don't know how you feel about the location or like being in florida again but you can at least be assured that your apartment is gorgeous if safe space if anything makes me happy, it's this apartment. I don't, I wouldn't say I'm the happiest with my, I love to walk. And so the environment around me, I mean, it is a good place to walk and I'm not mad about it. I do wish that, I don't know, I wanted a little bit different. I wish there was like more for me to see, but it is cute. Um, like with the little neighborhood I'm in. And so I, I do, I, I love this apartment. It has everything that we want. Um, and it, it's perfect and it's expensive, but we can afford it. Um, it's like double what we, it's like double what we were, ha- what we had in, it's the same price that we were paying in Olympia for double. So, and yeah, we love, we love, 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 love this apartment and, um, are just happy to finally stop and like start to unpack and everything which we've unpacked a lot um but i will say i've been the i've been like the biggest like bitch like the past two weeks and i think partially because remembering to take your hormones while in the middle of a cross-country move in the middle of time zones constantly changing i haven't been the best at it and i don't know about you but when you're off hormones or on and off of it not like like frequently and then start taking it frequently you just become a psycho i i feel like this might be this will lead us onto a little tangent but i will say because i i'm going through the same thing right now so when you've been on hormones for like eight years at this point like you take them you do like every day you take them it's it might be at a random time but you do take them you might not take it twice a day but take it every day at different times. And then, I don't know, sometimes I just feel like I have like a lot of dysphoria and like 
I think to myself, oh, am I doing it to myself because I'm not like being so consistent or as consistent as I could be with my hormones? So I I start taking them again. And your hormone levels, like when they're off balance, you truly become a psychopath. Like it's not a joke. You, You really do become psycho. Like when you first start hormones and you're switching over at that time, you're crazy you're you are you need to be in a mental institution so it kind of happens again or periodically if you forget to be consistent with them so I have been for like the last month or so and I've noticed that I I cry a lot more like I cry I cry like I did when I first started hormones like literally everything like someone hugging someone on a tv show will make me cry or like if I get into the tiniest argument with Russell and it's my fault I will cry and like a couple weeks ago we got into like the dumbest argument ever because I'm crazy and he was like have you have your hormone levels been inconsistent recently and I was like the fact that you know that is a little bit embarrassing because it's 100% true and that's definitely why like I just started crying over something that was so minuscule so yeah you are absolutely right. You turn into a psycho and I am a little bit psychotic at this moment as well. It's kind of uh, an interesting experience because um, I wasn't- We're just PMSing. <laughs> Literally. It's nothing honestly new. though, like if it's super like overwhelming to kind of be in that state of mind and I just, yeah, I'm so, like, I've been so, the same with you, like, and I'll be watching a random TikTok, and then I'm just crying. Like, why am I getting so emotional from this 60-second video? Like, there's literally no purpose for me to be this sad. I would wake, but I was waking up every morning the first, like, week we were here, and I was just crying because I was, like, the space, I don't, I'm confused. And I felt like, I, I feel so, like, childish, too, when I'm, like, when I'm like crying about silly things or I get really angry and it's like, I need my coffee type of like, like I'll just get super bickery. And then like, I just feel like a kid who's like having a tantrum and like, I don't mean for it to happen. It's just kind of like bottles up and then it like expresses itself in a weird way because like, I've just been so inconsistent on hormones and it is definitely the worst thing to like have to, I just have been saying I'm so sorry to Emily every day because I've been a monster. <laughs> I just, it's like, it sucks. Like you want to be like, I want to be the strong one in this whole process of moving. I want to be like the one that's able to like take care of both of us. But no, I can't. I'm too like, I'm too bitchy. And I'm, I just, I'm working on it. I'm, I'm taking them consistently. Yeah, it's it's hard because I feel like I feel the same. Sometimes I'm just irritated. Like I am peeved. Nothing is going to make me cheer up. And I feel like like when you're with a partner and they're trying to like be lighthearted and joke around and have fun and you're just like in a shitty mood for you don't even know why you're in a shitty mood. It's like it's not even just affecting you at that point. It's affecting someone else and Luckily, they deal with us. So, but also, I would, like, I say, I'm, I apologize all the time. It's like, I don't know why I'm doing that. Like, I truly don't. But, and like, as for an ex- here's an example of something that happened because I've, I'm, I need people to realize how insane this is. We, 
our apartment door, when you open it, it's a very small square before you go up to stairs. And we don't have like a shoe rack yet. So our shoes are just kind of at the bottom. So when you open up the door, you kind of open it up to shoes. And um, we were leaving one day. We were, you know, going out of the apartment. And Emily was like leaving the, like leaving, opening the door to leave. And she opened the door and then she stepped over my shoes that were like my other pair of extra shoes that were there because everything, it's such a small area, you can't avoid it. So she just stepped over it and it made me so, and it just, I, I didn't say anything, but I was just sitting there. Like we went in the car and I was just sitting there like so angry. I'm like, why did she just walk over my shoes? And like, I just like, and I like, I like had a switch where I was like, I can't say anything. I can't say anything because this is, a, this is, a, this is stupid that I'm so angry about this. So I was, oh my God, I felt so bad. Cause then eventually I did say something. I'm like, this really upset me. And she was like, oh, sorry, I didn't even notice. But then I'm just like fuming. And so I have to like acknowledge that these, these, anger points that I have are just irrational and I have to breathe it out because like it's so like so dumb like it was she just stepped over shoes and I, all of a sudden I'm having like I'm fucking Satan for why at least you're self-aware I feel like sometimes when I'm in those moods I genuinely think I'm not wrong like a couple weeks ago we were laying in bed and I said something to him and he didn't hear me and I was like are you ignoring me and he didn't say anything again because I don't think he heard me. I have also have like a, an issue with the volume of my voice. Like when I need to be loud, I'm quiet. And when I need to be quiet, I scream at the top of my lungs. I don't know why I can't just like regulate my volume. But he ignored me again or he didn't hear me. And I was like, you fucking hate me, don't you? And he jokingly said, yeah, I hate you. Like, ha ha. And I got upset over it. And I was like... I was so upset. I was like, so this is how you're going to treat me? Like, we're just going to, we had such a good day and you're just going to ignore me for the rest of the day. And it was like, I wasn't able to understand and comprehend in my mind that he didn't hear what I was saying. And I am the one that said he hates me and he jokingly agreed with me. So it wasn't like he was telling me that he hated me, but in my mind, I wasn't able to put those pieces together and I was just irritated. And I went to sleep angry that night. (laughs) So, um, I, I love this for us. This is like, this is, this is girlish, you know? So yeah, sometimes you just, you get a little sassy and a little spicy. That's okay. That's a, that's honestly beauty is, is anger. <laughs> it's pain. It's a lot of, a lot of, maybe we should, never mind. I was going to say, who, I have a question really quick. Who does like, do you guys clean equally? Or does, like, someone clean more than the other person? So Emily is the cleaner. But okay. the reason – okay, the reason th- – this is a bad excuse. And I'm I'm pretty messy. I'm a Libra. I'm pretty messy. She's a Virgo. And she loves to clean. Like, it's her me time. It's, like, putting on headphones and then cleaning. So then I'm, like, I step away and I let her do her thing. And if she needs me to do dishes or something, I'll help and like that capacity. I just let her have her space. And then I ask her, you know, if, if there's anything you need me to help do or you want me to do, let me know. Because sometimes I know I'm not super self-aware of being messy. And if you just tell me, I'll do it. But she is the cleaner. What about you guys? So I'm the cleaner. I'm literally just like Emily. Like every weekend I turn on my, I put my headphones on. 
I clean the kitchen, I clean the bathroom, I vacuum, I sweep the floors, I switch the litter boxes. So like, that's what I do. But when I'm in a mood, like if he asks me if I want help, I'll say no. But then in my mind, I'll be like, why aren't you just going to do it anyway? Why aren't you going to take out the garbage? Like you can clearly see that it's not closing properly because there's so much garbage in it. Yet you're asking me if you want me to take out the garbage, but you're not just going to do it on your own. So I will like, I'll do it, but I will be huffing and puffing. I'll be in a bad mood. I'll be grumpy about it. Like just for him asking to help because in my brain, in my delusional brain at that point, I feel like you shouldn't have to ask. Like if you have to, if you think you need to be asking, you should just do it on your own instead of making (laughs) me do it. And it's just like, yeah, I'm a little crazy sometimes. But like that—that's what makes that us there. like. That's what makes us charming, you know. I don't know if everyone would think it's charming. Um, like I think it's—I think it's a positive. I think we we are iconic for it. I think we're just—we are good at switching up the narrative. Like it's never boring, <laughs> you know. Sometimes you can get a nice, sweet demeanor, and other times, I want to stab you. And you know, okay. I think. I think it truly shows the importance of gaslighting, you know? Like, I think us, us, (laughs) we're so (laughs) annoying. I hate us. But yeah, it's been really emotional with the switch up of hormones or like the switch up of times and everything like that. And and just getting consistently back on it. It's so, it's like the worst. And I'm sure anyone that's experienced that knows like super emotional so like this whole move was it has been like that where like I'm not sure if I'm genuinely sad from the experience of moving and leaving Olympia or if I'm just sad because I'm just like going through a bunch of emotions and that's what's been definitely hard. Yeah. So moral of the story is be consistent with your hormones unless you want to be a menace to everyone that's in your life. <laughs> Literally. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I think especially when you're going through a difficult time, adding on the fact that you have like a hormonal imbalance because of how consistent things are, that changes things because you don't actually know if you're upset about all these other factors or being in Florida or if you are just being emotional and that is what's making you regret your decision to move or whatever the case may be. So it's, it's hard to differentiate between those two things if you are just like super emotional at the time. Yeah. And I think there's like a lot of self-sabotaging too with this move for me um, because so the elephant in the room, I'm back in Florida and obviously the political climate in Florida, especially lately, has been super anti-trans. There's been like a culture war going on that's like targeting trans people and everyone every time that I said I was moving from Washington back to Florida everyone was like why why are you doing that like why like why would you go back to Florida and it was uh, pissing me off to a point where I'm like you don't like when there's like familial support or like familial like support and people and friends around you like it's hard to leave that It, it gave me this it was annoying me so much because it also gave me the same energy as you know, people asking like, I mean, this is 
never mind. I'm not going to say it because I don't want to like equate my experience to like to that. But I'll say what I'm thinking that after the end of, of the enslavement of black people in America, a lot of them stayed in the South. And a lot of people were like, why would they stay in the South? Why would they be around the people that enslaved them? And it's because of the generations that they've had in that area that, you know, from their, their families staying there, that it just, why would you leave the area when you don't really have a reason to leave? Your family is there. Um, and so, and also economics, and there's a bunch more factors that go into it. But like, it was kind of giving me that energy where I was leaving from Washington to be back with the people that I know, the people that I love, the the people that felt like me in terms of like, just our surroundings, how we grew up, our mentality, being in Washington, where everyone's white, everyone is just super like, there's a there's a difference in how we think, I feel, that I didn't resonate with people in Washington. And maybe that's all in my head, but I just, in the, in the environment, I felt like I stuck out. So being back in Florida was a very personal decision. And I know the, and I had a lot of these fears of what was going on in the politics in the area. And I was worried that I was going to regret this decision. And it was a big, big decision to move. So anytime someone was like giving me pushback, it just kind of, made me a little more upset because I'm like, you, I've already thought of this all. Like, I know, I know the consequences. I know that there's, there's a, uh, there's a chance that I might not be here long um, in terms of like, you know, access to hormones and things like that. I might, you know, have to be, you know, I might be displaced in the next few years, depending on how things go, but I can't just like let someone take my home for me because of their fucking psycho. Um, so Coming here and being here now, I think it's starting to set in the political landscape. Like you were in Gainesville. We went to Gainesville and you know the environment here. It's super young people, people from all walks of life and people, you know, the young people are super supportive of marginalized communities. We've seen it in in like polls after polls and how the politics are for um, Gen Z. So Gainesville is very progressive. It's a cute little area with a really close-knit community. But just being back here and now I'm like reading on the news, I'm like having this like dread, this ex- existential dread that like, did I make the wrong decision? What's going to happen to my community? I'm getting like really scared reading these things, hearing these things. And it's like hard for me to like function And I've just, that's been like the big thing that I've been emotional about, which is like justified. I feel like a lot of trans people are scared right now, but like, it's just hitting me like, like so hard. And I was talking with Emily today and I'm like, you know, we've been here two weeks, but like, I'm like, I'm like, how long are we going to be able to stay here? Because I don't know what's going to happen. They're talking about removing like uh, gender affirming care for adults, like being able to like restrict private insurances so hard that companies aren't going to want to work with those insurances anymore or they they won't provide gender affirming care within the insurance the private insurance companies so then it becomes this whole thing where i'm like they're going to really somehow maneuver it so i'm not able to afford my medication so it's like getting really scary and hearing all these bills being proposed and seeing things happen like kentucky tennessee getting really really worrisome about how our community is going to hold, you know, hold up within all these crazy sad changes. Yeah. I feel like 
on first glance, if you like as a trans person, you evaluate the difference between like living in Florida versus living on the West Coast in like Seattle or LA or anywhere, it may seem obvious. Like I need to go to the West Coast. Like it's more progressive. They, you know, the people there are more open to accepting trans people. The legislature isn't actively trying to eradicate us, which we can talk about that verbiage a little bit later. But it's like, you know, politically and socially, that seems like a better situation or a better place to be in. I feel like it's easy to discount the fact that even though you might live in a state like Florida that historically has been very transphobic and homophobic and just against the community in every way, you can still find a community of people like in Gainesville, what you have that help you get through that. And I feel like people don't really think about how difficult it is to move all the way across the country to a new state and literally not know anyone. So like, yeah, I live in a more progressive state. I feel maybe a little bit more at ease being open about who I am. But at the same time, I don't know anyone. I don't have any sense of community. I don't have anyone to support me. I'm just here by myself with nobody. And I think that might have been a big factor in your move. I was like, oh, why are you going back to Florida too, to be honest? But I, especially after going to Gainesville myself and spending time there, like I understand why you would want to do that. And I think at the end of the day, it really just depends on what you need in order to be successful and thrive and feel comfortable with being yourself. And yeah, like you do have a community there, but it does suck to probably open up Twitter, open up the news every day and see all of these bills and things trying to be passed or being passed so close to home. So that's, it's kind of a tricky situation to be in. I feel like, like you feel at home, but the home that you're in, like other people are actively trying to make sure that you can't even exist as a person. Yeah, I, it's like one, it was a very difficult decision um, making to just, you know, want to come back here. Um, whenever like Emily and I kind of told ourselves that we were going to do it, it was so like, we were almost like, I think not ashamed or embarrassed because, you know, we were, we did the thing. We moved across the country. We experienced what it was like. But when you're in, yeah, when you're in an environment that's so new to you and you don't have anyone really there that like makes it like fun, then um, it was hard to kind of find the community in that area. Plus, Emily and I work from home. We go to school from home. We're living constantly in the apartment anyways. So the time that we did have free, we would just kind of spend like just being in that house because there was like no friends or anything. But now being here, obviously, the free time, we have those safe spaces. We have those groups of friends that we can, like, go hang out with, go have brunch with, go do things with. And that's kind of what we were missing was just being able to interact with people because we are in the apartment all day doing our, our work in school. So also cost of living here is just so much cheaper. And, like, I, you know, I love me some taxes, but, like, Sometimes I just, I need to be able to afford to just like, you know, be able to like have groceries, not completely be my entire bank account. Living paycheck to paycheck is not fun. Um, 
but yeah, it is, it is um, really expensive on the West Coast. So it was really hard for us to make this decision, but we ultimately decided that Florida is probably going to be the best option for this time in our lives to just kind of, you know, be back around, around that kind of environment for us. But it comes with obviously that fear that I didn't, I don't know, like today I had a moment where we drove this morning to get coffee from this like coffee place that we t- we go to every now and then. Um, it's at 4th Ave Food Park, which um, if you're from Gainesville, you probably know. That's a place where I didn't get to take you. But I guess it's like a dad's weekend f- with a sorority. So all these like sorority girls and their white dads are just like there getting like their coffee. And meanwhile, I'm reading about how we're like on stage eight of a genocide. Trans the community is like stage eight of like genocide. And like, I'm like, huh? I'm like standing around these white men like about to order their coffee. And then I'm like reading about like someone saying that transgenderism needs to be eradicated. So I'm like, okay, I'm in the I'm I'm in the wild rest right now. I felt so out of body in that moment where we left. I was like, I don't even want coffee. Like this is this environment was so overwhelming for me. And so that's the first time I think I've ever felt that way here and it kind of scared me because I'm like, I don't know. Like what's happening? Like did we make the right decision? Like what's what am I feeling? So I scheduled the therapy appointment which that's the first step, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I thought it was super interesting also because I feel like you obviously feel a certain way about Gainesville. And then I felt like I felt a certain way, but we had an Uber driver when we were there. And I think she heard us talking about like diversity and like living in the area. And she was like, I don't think this place is diverse at all. So it's like, even within what you experience there's always i guess a group of people that might not feel the same way about an area and i think that speaks a lot to our own biases like you know we might feel safe but are we really safe if other groups of people don't feel the same way like i feel like in order for a community to truly be safe we should all feel like that and the fact that she was just like so outspoken and i Like, I was thankful that she said that because it definitely brought a new perspective and something that I didn't think of. But it it was kind of like a reality check. Like, it's not always what it seems on the surface. And just because you feel like you're okay in a situation, that doesn't mean everybody else does. And I feel like, you know, just going to a coffee shop and being surrounded by all those people, like, they're like, oh, this is so cute. We're having a fun little college event. But it's like that coupled with all the other things that are happening in Florida, they might not realize like that type of environment may make someone else feel uncomfortable for it. So I think it's, I mean, it's never, I feel like there's no place or there might be where every single person that lives there just feels like this is their home. They're a hundred complete, a hundred percent safe there. They don't have any complaints, but I think that's just the nature of being with so many people. Like, you could be in the most progressive city in the world, but your neighbor might be a psychopath and might be racist or might be homophobic. So it's like you can't ever mitigate who you'll run into, even if you feel like you're in a safe location. 
Yeah. And I think exactly, I think you perfectly said it. It's, it's, um, we kind of live in these biases and it's hard to like, um, try and view it in uh, the sense of someone else's experience. That Uber driver, like that really, I think, gave me a good perspective into into what like the actual local people, because I moved to Gainesville. I I was, Gainesville was my, my savior. It was a town that I was able to escape to and come out. And it has that impact. It has that hold on me because I know that it was where I was able to be me. Um, but you know, that's, you know, that's coupled with a lot of privileges that I was able to receive. Granted, you know, I struggled a lot. I was on Medicaid. That's how I ended up getting my hormone replacement therapy. And, um, but I was able to obviously be around the right people. I was able to do, um, get into access to all the right places and build myself a community here. But I know there's a lot of communities that have been taken and stripped from in this area. And I haven't been able to see it within their eyes. A lot of the local communities, a lot of the local black communities who have been really just stripped away from in order to give the students more. And at the time I was a student and I know that I um, was, wasn't responsible, but I profited off of, off of the loss of, of what they had in terms of their community, their resources, their homes, their, um, just yeah what they were used to so she was telling us about how amazing and um, diverse Gainesville used to be and I thought it was diverse Um, and she was saying that it wasn't anything like it used to be and so it was very eye-opening to kind of see that you know maybe this area isn't the saint that I thought it was but in a lot of ways it is and I think that's kind of what I've hung up that's what I've held on to was I have really good friends here and, you know, really great people that support me. And um, I'm trying to put myself in environments that I do feel safe. But yeah, it's definitely, it's going to be interesting seeing how, I've never been clocked in public. I've never, or if I have, if they, I have, no one's ever said anything to me. There was maybe one instance uh, that something happened back when I was first transitioning um, but like nothing really has ever happened that like has scared me to an extent. But, you know, like I said, maybe I've had the privilege of being quiet enough that someone can't clock me or being kind of in the background enough where like people aren't able to like really perceive me or maybe I pass enough or whatever that is. But I've been very privileged in that capacity. So now I'm being back and something I'm trying to pick up from you is everywhere you go, you're so observant with like your surroundings. And I think that's an important thing to have, especially as a trans person, especially as a woman, is just to be observant of everything going on around you. So you know how to act or get prepared for something that may or may not happen. And it's, I think, a good way to live just being under like being safe practicing like safe living yeah I was never like that before I started transitioning I feel like I was honestly oblivious like I could didn't know what the fuck was going on around me at any given moment but I feel like as a trans person when you're out in public you never know who you're going to come across and I guess with a certain level of privilege, being able to live as the gender that I identify with, I also have to deal with like sexism or men in public saying inappropriate things, 
because they just see a woman and feel like they're entitled to make a comment about her appearance or hit on them. So I feel like experiencing that has made me really observant. Even when I'm just going to the grocery store, I'm constantly looking like if someone makes eye contact with me and I feel like a weird vibe from them, I'm like, okay, I need to keep a map in my head as to where this person is. Like if I, if it's at night and I go out to the parking lot and I'm like loading groceries into my car, I need to be aware of like, does this person follow me out? Or if I'm out at the bar with like a friend or something that's drunk, I feel like I'm the one that has to like scan the room. Are there people looking at us? Like, are there, is there someone trying to make advancements on me or my friend? Like, I feel like I shouldn't have to constantly do that. But it's something that is beneficial to me and people that I'm with. But it's just like, it's such a chore. Like, sometimes I feel like I can't, let's just like dance and enjoy the music and like close my eyes and let's just like get lost because the second I am off guard, like someone might try and do something. And now like what, how do I get out of that situation? So, I mean, I feel like we shouldn't have to do that, but it's just something that I, I've developed since transitioning and having to like deal with men in the way that they just have no filter in public and just say whatever the fuck they want to. Yeah. And I, like you said, it, it sucks that we have to be so observant, how we have to um, just, I don't know, like, I, and it's, it's just a scary time. I think we're just being a woman in general, but especially being trans, it's, you know, if you get an attention from a man, it's like, okay, do they do they want my attention? Are they looking at me, viewing me because they are attracted to me, or there's you know there's something on my face, or is it because I'm a trans woman? It's like you your mind goes through a million things, and with everything politically going on now, I, I'm trying to be super observant of those observing me. It's scary. And like we were saying, I don't want to bring it up slightly. I want to do more research into it. I want to, I'm sure more is going to be said within the next week. And I think next week, whenever we're back into it, we can do a whole episode on a lot of this conversation. But um, there was recently, uh, or there's been a lot of conversations recently regarding the trans community and um, not good from a lot of like crazy people. You're seeing people that are famous within the conservative field, like Matt Walsh, Candace Owens, and most recently someone named Michael Knowles. They're all like part of the Daily Wire. It's that Ben Shapiro like production company or whatever. And um, he said at a CPAC event or whatever on CPAC uh, recently that transgenderism needs to be eradicated. And like, um, yeah, that's just, it's, I've never heard anything like that. I mean, I've been transitioning for seven years. I've never heard someone that like notable, like in terms of their audience on a public stage, like CPAC, say something so deranged, so scary, so Nazi-esque, like I'm, shocked and there's been a lot of public blowback from like to this person for saying that but it's been said and it's it's out loud now and there are people that clapped and believe that and now like i feel like we're kind of going into this era 
where more and more people are going to say this. And it's, that's just like the end. And that's what really scares me is that we are in this, we are now experiencing the cycle of like, oh shit, like they want to like actually like make sure like, like we don't exist anymore. And like, that is something that I've like never imagined would ever happen in my life where people would actually like advocate against our individual rights as people to have access to our medically necessary, um, you know, transition uh, related, whatever resources or try to prevent us from existing at all. Like it's scary. It's truly like Nazi speak. And um, I'm worried that not enough people are talking about it. And I want to make sure that we talk about it because this is super uh, important not to ignore. Like we have to call it out. Like it's it's crazy. Yeah, and I we can go in more in depth in it, into this whole topic next week, probably when we have more time. But I feel like the scariest part of that was the fact that it like panned to the audience, and there were p- literally people clapping and cheering and like just the definition of the word eradicate is to like completely wipe out, to put an end to, to just erase from existence. So it's like, I feel like most of us have come to terms with the fact that there's always going to be people that disagree with who we are. And if you want to call me a she instead of, or he instead of a she, if you want to use a slur at me, okay. That like, I can't do anything about that. But to have someone in a place of power say something to the extent that they literally just want to erase all trans people from existence of the planet and get rid of us like we're some sort of infectious disease, that is very, that's a very different conversation than I don't agree with how you live your life. It's not just, oh, like you do you, but I don't agree. It's you can't do you because I think you shouldn't even exist. And that that changes the whole narrative because now you have people, like I said, in power saying that and the people that already think that but just don't want to get backlash for it How have precedence to say it now because someone else said it on TV in front of hundreds and thousands of people. It's like words in theory, they, they are just words, but they can lead to action, especially when it's something this harmful and that's what's scary. And I feel like people are constantly like, okay, well, you guys still have rights. You still can get hormones. You can still do this. You can still do that. But what other community is having to deal with threats from people in the government saying they literally want to wipe us from the face of the earth? It's not, I feel like that's not us being dramatic for reacting the way that we are. Like if someone tells you, they want all people like you to be erased from this earth, you're going to feel a certain way about it. And we've seen it happen multiple times throughout history, but it's happening to trans people right now. And I feel like there's so much work that goes into trying to dispel or to make us feel like we are not, we're being overdramatic basically. And that our rights aren't actually under attack. You're just being dramatic because people don't agree with you. Well, yeah, people don't agree with us, but now people literally want to kill us and don't want us to exist anymore. So yeah, yeah, it's a hard thing to have to internalize. Like it makes you very scared, especially 
if you live in an area where these ideas are just outspoken all the time. So I think we can talk about a little bit more because there are a lot of other bills that are trying to be passed right now and a lot of other things happening that are along the same line as this. But it's like that word, it has so much meaning behind it. And it's like the true intention isn't just to like deal with us and find a way to exist knowing that we have different views on what gender expression is or what gender identity is, but they just want us to not even be here anymore. It's like, I mean, I think we have better retrospect because we understand that Nazis were a real, real thing that really happened. You know, some people debate that, but obviously um, we've seen what happens with the progression of this like genocidal people like speak. And um, I've been seeing a lot of like big press talk about the specific statement and what it means. And, you know, I, I do think that this exists in a, in a very particular echo chamber, like these people that absolutely hate us, which will never meet a trans person in their life. All these people that hate these liberal trans people will never probably ever see a trans person in their entire life and probably haven't. And it's just insane that we are this ex, this existential threat to them when they probably don't, they can't even name one trans person they've ever come into contact with. And like, that's what's, I think the scariest thing about it is that, you know, they, I think conservative people always get so mad at like um at liberals for trying to take their guns away their right their individual right to own a firearm yet they're out here bagging or banning drag performances people's individual right to performance to have their freedom of expression freedom of speech how does how are you how can you exist in both at once? And you can't. They obviously have exceptions for their psych, psycho, psychopathy. And like, I just am, I'm just genuinely scared of the, this, the language we're hearing being used now. So I think with the move, with all my emotions everywhere and hearing stuff like this, I'm on this like new level of just paranoia that like it's hard to avoid. And I'm not trying to like fear monger. I don't want people to be like, like, I don't know. I don't want to like make this a huge thing. I have the privilege to be able to move if something happens, but there are so many poor trans people that don't. And that's what scares me. And it's so hard to like not want to take this seriously because the moment you don't is the moment shit happens and shit is happening. Like already me, I was able to take hormones with Medicaid through Florida. That's not a thing anymore. Adults can't take hormones through Medicaid. So people that are coming after me like people like the trans community that is existing after me will not have the same resources that I did. And like that's already being put into effect. Actions are already being taken against us. And I'm worried that it's gonna slowly creep to this point where crazy stuff starts happening and it starts with language that we're hearing. And I think that this is very important that we all focus on, very important that we all talk about. Um, I mean, like, really talk about it. Because I'm literally, it's crickets from, like, the government, the federal government, 
say like when human rights violations are happening within these legislations, these these conversations, these trans people who are being killed and nothing is being said, nothing is being done. There's no action towards it. It's so infuriating because real people's lives are in jeopardy. Real kids are dying from the removal of um, hormone replacement therapy for them. And all these rhetorics that are pushing this like super crazy um, culture war with things that don't even exist, like things that aren't even scientifically backed, like hormone replacement therapy saves lives, end of day. That's what happens when people are able to transition an environment that they feel safe in, they are not likely to regret it and they are likely to live a happier, healthier life. But when you start stripping access to that, you start making people afraid or want to hurt trans people, this is immediately going to lead to so much death, so much pain. And honestly, a lot of like economic, like awful economic responses with, with how everything's going. I mean, I was reading about Kentucky recently and how these businesses were against this whole um, removal of, of like trans kids, like rights to their individual um, like need for um, affirmative care. And um, yeah, they were just, it's, it's just interesting to see what's going to happen in the next few years and obviously very scary. Yeah, I think it's just crazy to me that for a group, trans people, we are so minute in the whole grand scheme of things in terms of population. There's not a lot of us when you really think about it, but we occupy such a huge space when it comes to politics. If someone's always talking about trans issues, how trans people need to be stopped. We need to be eradicated. We need to stop them from doing this, doing that. And it's like, like you said, most of the people that are advocating for this have never and may never experience a trans person given where they live. And if they did, they might not even know that they had just interacted with a trans person. So it's like, why are we so fixed on worrying about what the trans people or trans community is doing when we don't even occupy like more than 2% of the entire world's population. Like it's, it's not a conversation that needs to be had at this level, but I feel like we have just, our identities have been politicized so much to where you can't discuss trans or the trans experience without bringing in politics. Like, what do you think about gender identity? What do you think about biological sex? Like, you can't have those conversations. You can't just simply talk to a trans person and talk about their experiences without them having to explain what struggles they went through because of politics, because of the way that people are using language to demonize the community. So I I don't know. Should we be flattered? Like, they just cannot keep us out of their mouth. It's just like... They're like crazy. obsessed with us. They are so obsessed. <laughs> What is the most infuriating part is, do you want to know what's actually affecting the children of America? What's actually being harmful for the kids in America? Um, I don't know, maybe gun violence, maybe not having access to any healthcare at all, maybe not being able to ex escape the poverty cycle because there is no investment in their community and their education and their well-being, forcing women to have babies that are just going to live miserable lives because they have no access to anything immediately when they are out in existence. These Republicans 
do not care about about kids rights they don't care about anybody's rights they just have this weird thing about wanting to get mad at marginalized groups because they're so psychotic like it's hard to like reason with this mindset it is so just insane to me that that they are so blinded by this like hate these people that say that they're godly they have so much hate with them within them that like i just don't understand how you can function with just so much anger that you like you just keep with inside of you and for people that just want to live live normal lives like i don't understand what i'm doing so truly obsessed and i don't know and you all, <laughs> you always see these trans people or like these transphobic people have like trans porn on their phone or like are into trans or trans I just women. and it's say- like Trans porn is globally one of the most watched categories in the world. So I just think there's a little bit of a discrepancy if all these people are claiming that we're evil and we need to die. But who's watching? I know we're not watching. Also, trans, like OnlyFans creators or adult entertainers, they're very popular. Why are they so popular? when all these people want to eradicate us like you want to eradicate us but you also like want to like you're attracted to us at the same time it's very obsessed and weird behavior and i feel like people do cherry pick or they do ignore what's in front of them like we see kids die almost every month in this country due to gun violence but that's not the problem the problem is that people want to transition it's the fact that people are identifying in a way that contradicts their chromosomes, the chromosomes in their body that nobody else can see. That's the issue. That's the problem. And it's like gender studies, that's an issue, even though it's literally a study. Like there's so many studies on it. They attack things that have clinical studies that have been done to prove what is correct and what is not, but will ignore the fact that people are getting shot every single day. And it's just a lot of deflection and i don't i don't know i don't know what to say i don't know what else to say yeah there's a there's a lot that we can keep going on and on about because i i feel the same i mean i'm so angered with how they view intersex people too about how like they want to ban any gender affirming care or surgeries for children unless they're born intersex then then they're made to uh, have reconstructive surgery to be assigned to a certain gender when it's like that literally already has holes in your point of view. Like it's not based upon chromosomes. It's based on your idea that there's only one or the other. And the fact that this isn't fluid, this hasn't been fluid for the entire um, human history. And it's like, it's like, oh, it's not scientifically backed. And I'm like, it is a science. It's literally sociology. Like that's literally a science of how people are. But also beyond that, they're always they're always finding studies, regardless of if it isn't scientific or not. There are studies where trans people have a certain type of brain or whatever. But I don't know. I can go on and on about how frustrating this is and how scary it is. But I want to talk more about maybe the politics that we've been seeing next episode. You know, I hate that it can be negative, that we can, you know, this show can feel negative sometimes, but I'm kind of getting in this like 
I'm, I'm already starting to feel this fight or flight where like we can just keep avoiding this conversation or we can just have it and be loud about it because I really I really want to be loud about it. I've been sharing a lot of more resources lately and I'm just I like I can't deal with it. Like I don't want to I don't want to I'm so fucking annoyed. Same. I feel like we have we always try to be lighthearted about things and talk about like fun stuff that we're doing but I feel like in the last few months the conversation has gotten a lot more serious and there there is a lot more for us to talk about I feel like a couple years ago we had periods where there wasn't really any trans things going on in the news so I was like oh what do we talk about but recently I've been noticing that there's so much every single week that comes out and I feel like you know, I still want to bring that fun aspect and I don't want it to completely overtake everything that we're trying to do, but we have to talk about things because no one else is going to do it. Like we have to do it. Even if two people are listening, at least I can go to sleep knowing that I'm fighting for my community. <laughs> Period. If there's anyone we need to be psycho with, it's not our partners. Exactly. We need to channel psycho. all of our hormonal imbalances. <laughs> Towards these people and not towards our partners. So I think it'll be like a good therapy session too for us yeah. to, to do that. So there's just, it's so funny because, you know, whenever we see, I can just keep talking on and on about this. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll save it for next week. But okay. Yeah. yeah I honestly it, could, I'm kind of just like <laughs> saying things at this point because it's just rolling over into something else that irritates me. So mm. maybe we should save all of that for next week i know i'm just we have to be this is the big problem when it comes to like talking about trans related issues is there's so much emotion tied around it because this is our well-being this is who we are this is our identity constantly having to debate that is tiresome it's annoying and it's frustrating so a lot of times when you see trans people on the internet getting owned by Republicans is because they're angry and they're just expressing themselves in whatever comes to their mouth. And like, I'm worried that I don't want to, I don't want to be this example for them to like laugh at or joke at when it's, I'm literally just so angry because I'm trying to exist and I'm trying to like emphasize that and emphasize that. And it's so annoying when people are constantly saying like, you are not real. You shouldn't be here. You should be eradicated. Like that's, insane so i want to make sure whenever we do talk about it we can kind of have our thoughts collected a little bit more and yeah be effective i agree i don't i think being emotional is something that i don't want to be i want to be able to tackle topics from a rational state of mind and like actually look at the facts so that is kind of what's frustrating is we do see a lot of clips of trans people or people in the lgbt community being so emotional and i get it like like you said it's so tiring to have to fight for literally existing. But at the same time, you have to, to a certain extent, remove emotion from it and have a genuine conversation with facts because I feel like that's the only way people will ever listen. I mean, they might not even listen, but it's they're less inclined to listen if you're yelling and crying. And not to say that those emotions don't matter, but it's kind of giving them a little bit more ammunition to come back at us as unstable or whatever narrative they're type they're trying to push onto us. So I agree. Um, yeah, we'll try not to like start a war online, but I think it's still important to talk about 
things rationally and calmly. You're muted. <laughs> I'm always muted at the worst times. Uh, we got I hacked. agree with you. They're trying to silence your words. <laughs> Literally. Like your Twitter already got hacked. I, I got hacked on like, Twitter yesterday. Yeah. That was insane. I can talk about that another time. But like, there's nothing to talk about. I got back in and nothing happened. But I'm like, I've had that Twitter since 2009. Do I literally have like, <laughs> do I have any like nudes on there? I don't know. But no, I don't think I did. I don't really, I don't do that. But anyways, with that being said, I think it's a good way to wrap up the episode. Um, we're passionate. We want to make sure that our voices are heard and we can do that in a calm, rational way. Um, even though we are obviously so angry. Um, but I'm happy we were able to speak today, kind of talk about big picture things beyond my move and um, express ourselves a little bit um, more. But yeah, yeah, fuck this guy. Fuck Michael Knowles. Fuck the Daily Wire. Fuck them all because we're here and we're not going anywhere. We've always been here. No one's eradicating me, sweetie. This isn't <laughs> the last of us. Like, we're not a fungal disease. Like, we're we're going to stay. So The only thing getting eradicated yeah. is this okay yeah sorry okay i'm gonna like <laughs> cut that out probably um, all right everyone yeah. i will see you in the next one follow us on twitter follow us on instagram yeah follow us everywhere take your hormones be nice to people that are just trying to help you and don't be a psycho because yeah we're yeah. honestly a lot to deal with i think so and that's we're we can just leave it at that yeah yeah Okay. <laughs> Follow us. Bye. Oh, wait, one thing. Last thing. Spotify. Um, this I think March eighth, there's a stream on event that um Spotify is doing. Uh I don't know what time it is. Look it up. Just go like type in stream on Spotify. I think it's like one PM Eastern or something like that. But we're gonna be in it. We're gonna be like I think we might be somewhere in the yeah, background. You might somewhere. see us just like pop up. Um so yeah. Yeah, just like I don't know. the life of Spotify creator. That's not <laughs> <crazy>. <laughs> like, sorry, but like, we're like kind of a big deal. Yeah. But yeah, you guys should definitely watch. I think it's, you can stream it. it. It's a physical event, like in person, but you can stream it online as well. So if you have the time, watch it and you might see us pop up sometime. Yeah. We haven't even seen it, so we don't know what, what's going to happen, but <laughs> we know that we are going to be in it in some capacity. So yeah. Yeah. yeah that'll be so. fun. Stream it, and we'll see everyone in the next one. Bye.